It's the right time for Western Oklahoma. Good morning. You're listening to the right time for Western Oklahoma. Let's go to the hotline. Good morning. You're on the air. Who are we talking to? This is Roy calling from Clinton. Hey, Roy. How are you doing this morning? Doing fine. I got a quick joke for Mustafa. Okay. Pass it on. Uh, what do you call a cow with no legs? A cow with no legs. I don't know why. Ground beef. <laughs> well, I missed that. What is Ground beef. Ground beef. You know, beef. <laughs> uh, oh, that is uh, that's better than my jokes, boy. That, that gets Have a great day. <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks a lot, Roy. We appreciate, appreciate you calling in this morning. Y'all are doing great. Bye. Right, thank you. Uh, little Roy with a little joke for us this morning. Yeah. If you got one and you want to lay it on us, you know, welcome to do that. Yeah, do that. And we're we're going to the serious side and, now. And say that joke again for Roy. And I don't know if you heard it because of the background. What do you call a cow with no legs? What? Ground beef. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I did hear it. You did hear time. it? Okay. Angela Marcy's with us. We're going to turn to the serious side of law. Yes. Uh, we, we talked recently about... Um, capital punishment and i i was wishing that she was here right right because i wanted her to answer respond to to this editorial written in non-doc which is a statewide uh publication, uh, publication that on online uh anyway the guy that wrote this is andy lester andy is a lawyer he's a republican very conservative uh but he was on this commission that came out with a report in 2017 so that's Seven six years, six ago. or seven years old, and he's saying yeah. they didn't to implement some of these things. They still need to do more uh, to to keep uh, from actually his his premise is that he says we know beyond any doubt that innocent people have been sentenced to death in Oklahoma. What what's your response to that? First of all, that's kind of the premise of his whole whole document. We need to try to do something about that. Make sure we don't uh, execute an innocent person. So. I- Just a minute. Let me get your mic on. There we go. All right. So I agree 100% that we don't want to execute an innocent person. Um, I think, um, you know, our justice system, if we're going to use the death penalty as a punishment, we need to get it right. I agree with that. Um, The question is whether our current system, our current system, not a system that was looked at in the past, but our current system, whether there are such flaws in our current system that we have issues. And I believe under our current system that um, there are sufficient protections in place to ensure that an innocent person is not executed. Um, You know, the other thing is I think, I think our system is working and um, we have had people that, um, because of different mechanisms in the process, they were not ultimately executed. And so I, I think that that shows that the system works the way it's supposed to, doesn't it? Well, it seems to be. I mean, the, bar, the first of all, I mentioned the other day that the bar is very high to even bring someone to a capital case. What What is the bar? What does it take? For someone to be even prosecuted uh, for possibly the death penalty. So, so first of all, it has to be a, a qualifying crime, so murder in the first degree, um, and then there have to be certain statutory aggravators 
that have to be in place. It can't be just because it's a murder case. It can't be um, automatically a death penalty. So not only do you have to prove that it's murder in the first degree beyond a reasonable doubt, but you have to prove certain statutory aggravators beyond a reasonable doubt. What such do you mean as, by statutory aggravators? Such as whether the crime was heinous, <clears throat> heinous, atrocious, and cruel. Um, you have to show basically some kind of conscious suffering on the part of the victim and and that it was it was more than just just a regular murder, you know, right? I mean, it you hate to say it that way, but it's not just it's it's not just you a know, routine thing. It's an extraordinary. So case. if you get stabbed once and it takes your life, is that different than getting stabbed 62 times and it takes your life? So you have to show that conscious suffering, right? So that the victim was um, somehow aware of of what was going on, that they were losing the, their life, and that they were feeling that pain and that torture as as they were well, you, you as their a, life was draining. You from had a them. couple of cases, and you did not ask for the death penalty out here recently. The, the I forty shooter killed a couple of people. We did seek the death you penalty did. in the in the I forty shooter. However, at the as we were getting closer to trial, ultimately we worked with the family and decided because of the current state of what was going on with our death penalty at that point, ultimately we decided to plead the case out to multiple life without parole sentences. And we worked with the family to um, ultimately achieve that result. So we did seek it, and that's the only only death penalty that I have sought as DA. Um, so that's the other thing. The heinous, atrocious, and cruel is not the only aggravator. Um, basically, great risk of death to more than one person is another aggravator. That was one of the ones that we used in the, the Hardy case uh, because there were multiple homicide victims and then multiple people that he shot at on I-40 as he was going on his spree. Um, you know, others are things like continuing threat to society. A lot of times that comes from someone who has a criminal history, um, a violent history, like Richard Rojam, for example. Um, prior to killing Layla back in 1983, um, he um, had two sexual assault, uh, rape, basically rape-type <coughs> convictions out of another state. Um, that he had already served time on. So whether someone's a continuing threat, um, either because of their own criminal history or because of other behaviors, um, whether the murder was for hire, for, for money, um, that's one of the statutory aggravators. And then whether it has occurred, <clears throat> another one is whether it occurred while someone was currently incarcerated um, in prison, like you kill a prison guard or, or right. something along those lines. So. I'm, I'm going to go back to what Harold started with in terms of the article. And there is suggested that there have been several people that have been put on death row that have been found to be innocent versus what you just basically said was that through the process, being found innocent is part of the process. So really it alludes to both. They're saying the same thing, except that in your language, it seems to indicate that there's a process, and eventually that process will grant us a person that's deserving of the death penalty. Well, so I think that I think the issue is whether someone is legally or factually innocent. Um, just because someone may be determined 
um, you know, maybe there was a uh, maybe there was a flaw in the process, and they decide that someone should be. Um, how do you determine whether someone's exonerated? Right. Right. Whether, are they really innocent, or are they just fact legally because right. of the system procedural? Aspects. I think that's that's ultimately O.J. Simpson's a really right. good example, exactly. right? Um, but um, that that's not that wasn't a death penalty case. Uh, the O.J. Simpson case so, wasn't. So right now, a lot of publicity about this one particular case, uh, death row inmate, um, where he was found guilty, sentenced to the death penalty, and 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 he then uh, claimed that he was innocent all along. He has, I guess. Um, which one are you talking about? Well, the thirty-year guy. You know, there's one on there because Richard well, Rojum claims he's innocent. Well, oh yeah, I mean, so I mean, <laughs> I'm talking. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I'm, I'm thinking of the guy's name uh, right now. He's the one that killed the motel owner, Richard Glossop. Yeah, Richard Glossop, not Richard Rojum, but two Richards, two different incidents. Right. But Richard Gloss, Glossop it was supposedly. Uh, paid or he he actually did the killing I think or paid someone to do it. But it, anyway, he's been convicted and it was upheld in an appeal. And now you got legislators and people saying he he's innocent. Some of the evidence wasn't presented. Right, and and I think the issue with Glossop seems to be they argue well he's not the one who actually took the life of the the victim, Mister Van Treese. and so the statutory aggravator so. Glossop has been found guilty, and the the basis that he was found guilty on was that he was the one who set it up. He's the one that caused the murder okay. to happen, and so that's that murder for for like financial gain for remuneration is what we call it. And so they seem to be attacking that particular aggravating circumstance and saying, "Well, he's not the one who did it, but it wouldn't happen if but for him. him setting it up in the first place." And so. Should that be an aggravating circumstance or not? It is right now, right now in the state one. of Oklahoma, and that was one of that was the aggravator for him. One of the aggravators. Can the person that actually committed the crime use that as his motivation and legally not be responsible for the murder? No, they can't. Okay. And the jury found him guilty, and then they the the jury of his peers, with the evidence they had, found him guilty. And now they're saying there's evidence that was not presented. Uh, that something that effect uh, is that true what what are you hearing about that i mean it depends who you're talking to right but the the court of criminal appeals said that this new evidence that they keep claiming um wasn't there the court of criminal appeals basically has looked at that very issue and said no that that's not new evidence it wasn't it wasn't anything that would have ultimately um i mean i think the court of criminal appeals has put that to bed but the people who are still fighting for Mr. Glossop, um, they just won't, they won't acknowledge that. They won't accept that. Okay, so I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask specifics. There were, in this report from 2017, there were some suggestions <coughs> made, and I asked you beforehand to see what had actually been done on that. So we're going to state, we're talking death penalty this morning, and, and uh, should we do something more? than what we're doing to prevent that from happening. Uh, like you said, Angela, everybody, no one wants to convict someone that's not guilty. So stay tuned. You're listening to the right time for Western Oklahoma. 
National Livestock is dedicated to being your first choice for cattle marketing, risk management, order buying services, and cattle financing. We specialize in providing first-class service to those in the cattle business. And now we're proud to tell you that Dakota Moss with Livestock Risk Services has joined the National Livestock family, offering tremendous expertise when it comes to LRP contracts. You can trust National because all the experts are in one place. Learn more by going to nationallivestock.com. When you're ready to get to work, your equipment needs to be ready to go. P&K Equipment is here to help. Shop with confidence and find all the parts you need for your John Deere equipment at P&K. We have the largest inventory of parts in Oklahoma, so P&K has the part you need to keep your tractor or mower running great. Our trained technicians can service your equipment on site, in the field, or in our shop. Need help trailering your equipment in for service? We'll help with pickup and deliver back to you. Stop in and see us. Give us a call or shop online anytime at pkequipment.com. Hammond Phillips is now part of Select Water Solutions. Select is a leading provider in all things water, from sourcing, transfer, recycling, infrastructure, flowback, well testing, disposal solutions, and fluid handling and fluid chemistry. Our mission is to focus on developing sustainable water and chemical solutions with a commitment to conservation and reuse. Select Connect. We are all connected by water. Weatherford is here for cheer this holiday season. Weatherford businesses, along with the Weatherford Chamber of Commerce and Small Business Society, have joined forces to bring you the Here for Cheer holiday promotion. Shop at any participating stores now through December 8th and register to win gift cards to so many of your favorite Weatherford businesses. Over $10,000 in prizes. Last drawing is December 11th. Thank you to all of our sponsors that help make this possible, like Bank of Western Oklahoma, Lucky Star Casino, and Wright Media. Hello, this is Rick Spain with Spain's Construction with something to think about. David Green said, to succeed as a leader, set up an organization that allows you to focus on your gifting. Find what you're good at, implement it in your life, and you will find others following you. You don't have to be good at a lot of things. Just be great at one thing. Your great thing can connect to others' great thing, and you will find yourself in a great organization. Don't just live in comfort, live in advanced comfort. Cross Heat and Air can install a variable speed Bryant Evolution 24 heat pump. This top of the line Bryant system is ultra quiet, provides exceptional humidity control, and includes a 10-year limited unit replacement warranty. To learn more about the Evolution 24 heat pump, contact Cross Heat and Air at 580-819-1089. Bryant, whatever it takes. CrossHeatandAir.com. You're listening to the right time for Western Oklahoma, and we're talking the death penalty in this. This What brought this up? Mustafa was asking, why do we talk about this? Well, there was an editorial saying we need to do some things. One of the things they suggested is the commission made several recommendations, including offering forensic training for judges, following best practices with respect to certification, forensic experts of forensic experts, amending Oklahoma law to require that biological evidence in capital cases be retained until 60 days after the death of the inmate. So what do you, how do you respond to that? That's what was suggested. He's saying most of these things were not, were not actually uh, done. Well, and, and, and I disagree. I, I kind of went through the article um, and point by point that he made, one of the things that he talked about was specifically um, they, they proposed reforms involving the unreliability of eyewitness testimony, for example. And so 
Um, there have been statutory changes with regard to eyewitness testimony. Those were enacted in 2019. And so there is a more specific procedure that is in our in our state laws now with regard to eyewitness identification. And so that's one area that I, I don't know if he didn't know that Oklahoma had done that or if he chose to ignore that Oklahoma had done that. I don't know. Um, but clearly in 2019, we enacted that legislation. And the other thing that he seems to talk about with regard to innocence protection pertains to jailhouse informant testimony. Um, we actually now have um, a database that we're, that we're required to turn reports in if we're using jailhouse informants. Um, so that's one thing where that has also changed. Um, the other thing is there is specific, there are specific discovery requirements where we have to turn over, if we're going to use a jailhouse informant, we have to turn over certain information about their history, um, whether they've been a jailhouse informant before. Um, so there have been changes in that as well. Um, the other thing you talked about was the forensic training uh, for judges and the retention of biological evidence in capital cases, which is really interesting because um, I'm not even, first of all, with regard for training for judges, um, absolutely, judges go to training every year and they, they should have proper training, um, but they get bench books that have specific areas of um research and information in it pertaining specifically to presiding over death penalty or capital cases. And so they, they I've seen those bench books. And so I know they exist. I saw it in the Jeremy Hardy case. Um, and so I know judges are, are getting that information what out about there. The, uh, they say prosecutors, they recommended requiring yeah. that prosecutors allow open File discovery, in other words, uh, discovery on all stages of the capital cases. So let me get back to the bio retaining okay. the biological right. evidence first, because that's really interesting to me, because we already have a statute that says we have to keep all evidence when a person is incarcerated. So what what is that's not really anything new. We already have to do that. Um, so and then getting to the issue of the open file discovery so I know, like, that that's a DA discretion thing, whether you have open file discovery. We have open file discovery in all cases. I thought not they were always death, that way. Not just death penalty cases. Um, and most of the, the DAs that I talk to and that I've worked to, worked with, I, I believe that, that that's their policy as well. Now, there are certain things that shouldn't be allowed to be discovered because they're protected by law. And so if something's protected by law that shouldn't be turned over, we have the same rights not to turn that over. I'm not saying saying that that's not being turned over. I'm just saying that we we have to have some kind of um, Balance. rules, <laughs> right? Should defendants be able to go on fishing expeditions or should they have to establish that there's something specific they're looking for? We already have an obligation to turn over anything that's exculpatory, and so we do. And, do you do it with a twist of the arm? 
No, like, like I said, I have an open file policy. So usually, I mean, I'm, I give everything over Should from the start. Should that be state law, though, that, so that all DAs would be required to do that? You're doing it anyway, but... Should that be a state law? So the the problem is there you do have to strike a balance, right? Because providing everything, um, you still have to. There there may be something that shouldn't be turned over. For example, um, you know, work product, right? Like if they're trial strategy, that right. I mean, there are things like that that shouldn't be turned over. Um, I think where I struggle is is how far do we go? If you don't ask the right questions a lot of times, and I think the attorney that represents the, the criminal in many cases has the right to discover this information. We're not going to make it available. We're not going to make it handy and tell you where you need to look or what you need to look for. There's a balance there in terms of what you present. Do you ever present something automatically, or do you just tell them, hey, it's open, you have the law in heart, and you know, you have it in front of you, so go about your business? Literally, we have an open file policy, which means a defense attorney can come into my office if they are the attorney of record and go through my file and look at everything that I have. We give them copies of interviews. We give them copies of uh photographs, all of that information they're entitled to get already. Angela, thanks for being with us. The saga continues. I think as long as we have the death penalty out there in some states, you're going to have this because you have people fighting that come in from out of state who specifically want to do away with the death penalty in all states. And uh, they think that that's wrong. And so they're going to fight that battle and they're going to pick cases where they like, in this case, uh, the Richard uh, Gossip, yeah, gossip, gossip, gossip. Okay, close case. Uh, In that case, they've some people. He's kind of a con man, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. I'm just that's my own thought process. He's conned a couple of people into fighting for him, and uh, one of them's a legislator. Hmm. I mean, what you have is people who have an agenda that are opponents of the death penalty, and in and in every case, there will be an argument for why this particular person should not be given the death penalty. They've done it. They're arguing that with Richard Glossop. They they argued it with the Hancock case just last week, the one we executed um, on the 30th. They were were making claims about that. Like I said, Richard Rojam is still claiming he's innocent, right? So it's like Shawshank Redemption. Nobody, we're all innocent. That what they said? Nobody in here is guilty. You know, I asked Harold and, and Senator Yak if they had ever been to uh, execution. Have you? I have not. Um, I um, do plan to attend Richard Rojam's execution. Um, I think that it's... When is that coming up? Any news on we that? D- we don't have a date yet. It it should be sometime probably towards the end of next year Will be my is my guess. Uh, late fall, end of next year. Um but I, I feel like it's my it's a solemn part of my duty. But I feel like if I'm if if I'm going to ask 12 citizens of my district to consider imposing the death penalty, that that it's my it's my obligation to be there. Angela, thanks for being here with us this morning. Appreciate it very much. You're welcome. Tune in every weekday at 6 a.m. for The Right Time with Harold Wright. Brought to you by Priority Home Medical Equipment on 99.3 News Talk KCLI.